This is Taylor. Everybody say hi, Taylor. All right, Taylor is going to help me with a costume. Go ahead and put that on your head. Get it where it'll stay in place. What is this called? A puppet, but what's the... What's, marionette. Who got that? There you go. Good job, Miss, Miss Yvonne. All right, so since, uh, since we're doing this study and we're talking about um, the, the war in the invisible world, I thought this would be a good illustration. So here's what happens. Taylor is born. Taylor is not guilty of sin because Taylor is born. Taylor is guilty of sin because at some point in his life, he becomes aware of right and wrong, and he chooses wrong. Now, you don't get to be a, a puppet of the devil by choosing wrong one time. You choose wrong repeatedly, and it's like a little cord is wrapped around your arm, and you do that over and over and over again, and the enemy then straps around you because of your choice to sin. He doesn't have any power to strap you unless you choose to sin. I'm going to step out from underneath God's authority and I'm going to sin and I'm going to reach over here and instead of going to church, instead of sticking out my hand to reach out to somebody and say, hey, how are you? Give them a hug. I'm going to reach over and I'm going to get that mouse and I'm going to click on pornography. One time, it's dangerous, but when you do it more and more and more, then you get hooked by the devil and he will tempt you over and over to keep putting that back there. So then you choose another sin. Let's slide over just a little bit. You choose another sin, and it's not just once or twice. This is repeated, habitual sin, and the enemy gets your hand. And then instead of hugging people, instead of encouraging people, the enemy has you so bound by, by this pattern of sin, these habits of sin, that he can smack somebody with your arm when you won't even think about it. And it's not that he has the power over it. You have given him. This is hideous because you've given the enemy power to control you. And it can be your legs. It can be whatever. Your feet can go to that place. You're, you can go to those places. You can hang out with those people. You do it because you have, you have given Satan access into your life. And over and over again, he says, do this. And you just do it without even thinking. You think you have no power. Now, we're going to talk about a power today, though, that, ha that can cut all of these. And we'll talk about it in just a minute. All right. Thank you, buddy. You can go sit down. Now, I wanted to give this introduction because we're going to talk about a man that, that was so caught up by the devil that he did whatever the demons told him to do. And let's see where that is. It's in Mark chapter 4, beginning in thir verse 35. I've got to back up and tell you right before what happens. So Jesus is on one side of the, of the Sea of Galilee, and he says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his followers, let's go to the other side of the lake. Where did Jesus say they were going to go? Where did Jesus say they were going to go? Now, this is important because when Jesus says you're going to go to the other side of the lake, where do you think you end up? If you're following Jesus, you end up on the other side of the lake. This is big because, because they're about to encounter this furious storm. I don't have time to go into all that, but it's such a bad storm. Janie and I have been on the Sea of Galilee. We, I, I can visualize where this whole thing happened. And when the winds come down from these mountains, it is bad. And these fishermen, lifelong fishermen, are afraid they're going to die. That's important that you understand that. When you follow Jesus, you will get where Jesus says you're going to go, but you're probably going to encounter storms along the way because there's an enemy of Jesus who does not want you to get where Jesus wants you to go, but we have a power that's greater, right? So when the storm comes, the disciples are fearing for their lives. And what was Jesus doing? Y'all know this story. What was he doing? He was asleep. How could Jesus be asleep in the storm of a lifetime? Because his father said, go to the other side. Jesus never did anything without listening for his father's voice, seeing where his father was at work and joining him. So Jesus was asleep. Why? Because God, the father said, you're going to the other side of the lake. They come, they wake him up. Jesus looks at them and says, men of little faith. And then he says, peace be still. And the, the Sea of Galilee, it's a, it's a lake, but it's, it's a big lake. It just goes immediately calm. And then look what happens in the next chapter. 
So they arrived at the other side of the lake. Who said they were going to the other side of the lake? Jesus did. In the regions of the Gerasenes, it may be Gadarenes, it's just a misspelling. It's the same place, several different spellings of the same place. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil, and this term can also be translated unclean or impure. So if you're looking online, if you're looking in some of your Bibles, there may be a a footnote next to this. If you click on it on Bible Gateway, it'll tell you the other translations of the word. So this is an evil, unclean, impure, what? Spirit came out of the tombs to meet him, Jesus. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, and this is almost a a side note, don't miss it, as he often was. The dude was bound by chains and shackles. He snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one, I want you to say no one. No one was strong enough to subdue him. This is a regular guy, but when this demonic spirit came in, this supernatural spirit took possession of his life, he gave him supernatural power, and no one could subdue him, not even with chains and shackles. Look at this. Day and night, he wandered through the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. Cutting is nothing new. 2,000 years ago, the enemy of God wanted to destroy everything that God loves. God loves you. So back then, stones cutting themselves. If, if, a, if a spirit tempts you, if some, some voice tempts you to cut yourself, is that the Holy Spirit or the unholy spirit? 2,000 years ago, the unholy spirit was controlling this man and saying, let's put him up on a hill to howl. Let's do it. I think they probably did it when people were coming by and this guy's howling at the moon because he's completely controlled. He's a puppet of the devil. And then they said, let's, let's make fun of him. Let's have him cut himself because he's a puppet of the devil. Now, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. This is big. Remember, no one could subdue him, but he sees Jesus. He runs and he bows low. Why would he bow low? Because... The demons, all right, angels, we're going to talk about actually two weeks. That said, next week Next week is a day of worship, and we're going to talk about worship. Is it, a, is it a playground, is it a battleground, or is it holy ground? That's next week. Two weeks, we're going to talk about angels. Everyone in the spiritual realm, angels, demons, understands authority. It's us in the physical world that struggle with this idea of authority. He bowed before him because he saw a higher authority. He had no choice but to bow to this authority. Look what happens. With a shriek, he screams. I'm not going to scream because I'll I'll bust your ears with the the microphone. He screams, Jesus, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? The evil spirit recognized not only Jesus' authority, here's a higher authority, but he also called him the son of God, and and the, the demon knew that he was equal with God, son of the most high God. So why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now look at this. This is very interesting to me. Again, it goes to authority. In the name of God, he goes to the highest authority. Jesus is equal with God. In the name of God, I beg you, evil spirit could not be controlled by anyone, meets Jesus. He said, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Now, I'm just going to summarize. You need to go read this. What happens next is Jesus says, what is your name? Because he wanted to identify him. And they said, we are legion. Now, at that time, a a Roman legion could be up to 6,000 men. We don't think there were 6,000 literal spirits in the guy, but there's so many. He has given so much access to the the supernatural world that they said, hey, let's call ourselves legion. Let's give ourselves a nickname. And let's mess with this guy by having him howl at the moon. Let's mess with him by having him strip naked, run around, cut himself. Let's have fun fun with him because he gave us access. I should put a shiver in your spine. 
whoever the main spirit was, the one who said, we're legion, begs Jesus, please do not send us out of this area. I've not ever seen that until this week. I told this to the men's group. I believe demons are assigned an area and they, and they begged Jesus, the most high God, don't send us out of this area because that was their area where they were assigned. Their authority gave them, please, higher authority, don't send us out of this area. There were a herd of pigs nearby, so they asked if Jesus would send them into the herd of pigs. He does. They all run off the cliff. There are about 2,000 of them, and they're killed. I can still see. I wish we'd gone closer to this area. It's, it's such a, such a um, barren, um, foreboding-looking area, just cliffs, and, and they ran off, and they're, and they're destroyed. Now, somebody may say, why, why a herd of pigs? And it's just because there were no cats around. Had there been a herd of cats... He would have, I'm just kidding. You can't herd cats unless it's for food on my front porch. I have a herd of cats on my front porch. Okay, so, so someone says, D- Doug, do you believe in demons? Absolutely, I believe in demons. Jesus did. And for me, if the Bible says it, that ends it. I don't care what, how many degrees you have after your name. If the Bible says it, if Jesus, my Lord, son of the most high God, believes there's demons, I'm going to believe there's demons too. Back in 1996, um, Janie and I went with our youth group to um, Atlanta, and she had a separate uh, experience from me. But um, we were downtown Atlanta. I was. I had to go get some medicine for one of the kids, and so the doctor was inside getting that, and I saw this homeless man sitting out there, and I decided to go up and talk to him because that's what we were there for. We were telling him about Jesus. And so I walk up, and I have this pen, and this pen was more than gold, and you would tell him about it. It was basically, you know, sin and, and, and how you can accept Christ, and he washes you clean, and then you can grow, all of this stuff. Well, when I mentioned Jesus, this guy, very disheveled man, did not smell good. I can still see his face. I could probably... Well, I don't know that I could pick him out, but I can see his face. When I said Jesus, his eyes glassed over, and he started going, I don't even know what he was saying. And I thought, this is strange. I've never seen this before. I'm going to back up. Um, Jesus. And I went, I didn't know what to do. And I was like, okay, here's the pen. See you later, because I didn't know what to do. Janie had a similar experience. She was, she was on the other side of Atlanta about the same time. I don't know that it was exactly the same time, but we both, we both believe in demonic forces. Jesus did. So, so how did we get demonic forces? Well, there's a video I want you to see that kind of explains that. Watch this. Scripture teaches us that Satan wasn't always the bad one. In fact, years and years and years ago, Satan was actually an angel, one of God's best and most beautiful angels known as Lucifer, or often called the morning star. What happened? Satan, in his beauty, became jealous of God and wanted to be like God. Instead of like Jesus, who said, Father, thy will be done, Lucifer, this morning star, the beautiful angel, said, I will, I will, I will. Five times in Scripture, we see this angel wanting to be like God. Here's the account. It's told in Isaiah chapter 14, starting in verse 12. Scripture says this, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And God said, no, you won't. No one can ever be like me. And when this beautiful angel said, I will be like you, God, 
God cast him out of heaven, and a third of the angels followed him. Most believe these became the demons today. Revelation 12 gives us this account, starting in verse 7, 8, and 9. The Bible says this, And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. Verse 9 says, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. When Lucifer said, I will be like God, God said, no, you won't. There is none other like me. He was cast down to the earth and now we have this force of darkness to deal with. His name is Satan and his angels became the demons. So the problem was Lucifer forgot that he was created by God. Um, he forgot that the only reason he was beautiful is because God made him that way. And so he began to stare into the mirror. And, and I believe he became, he fell in love with himself. Look at this beautiful creature. I'm going to worship myself. And I think everybody else should worship me. And this is what's so hideous about pride. Pride is self-worship. I worship myself. And, and this, the crazy thing about Satan, he had no one to tempt him. There was no accuser in heaven. He just decided on his own, I'm going to be like God. I think everybody should worship me. And there was this battle for worship and glory. It's why you have such a hard time sometimes worshiping because there's a spiritual battle going on. Lucifer led this revolt to the angels and he failed because he found something out about God that I want you to understand about God. It's in Isaiah 42, 8. Here's what God says. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another. What will he not give to another? Anytime you try to take the glory of God, the reason Moses didn't get to go into the promised land because he's, he tried to take the glory of God, he said, shall we bring you water from this rock? Who's we, Big Mo? Shall God? I mean, and this is dangerous for all of us because all of us want people to pat us on the back. If, if pride wasn't such a big deal, flattery would never work. We wouldn't listen to people who flatter us and pat us on the back just to find a soft spot to stab us. It's pride that gets us there. Pride, we're like the unholy spirit, not like the Holy Spirit. The war in the invisible world was for glory, and God will not give his glory to anyone or anything. So the devil and his angels were kicked out of heaven. What do demons do now? Let's talk about that. Demons influence leaders of nations. They influence leaders of nations. All you have to do is look through the pages of history. You've got Hitler, Mussolini, Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden. You think of anybody who's exterminated their own citizens... What could cause someone to do that? It has to be the unholy spirit. It has to be unclean, evil, demonic spirits. And we talked about this the first week of this series. When Daniel was praying, Daniel saw this incredible vision of the end times, that what, what you just saw read from Revelation about this big battle. Daniel didn't understand it, so he prayed. He fasted and prayed for 21 days and said, God, please, this is too wonderful for me. Please give me the interpretation of this vision. And here's what it says. We read this three weeks ago. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. So this angel comes to Daniel. He falls down. He's scared. And he says, do not be afraid. And he says, you who are highly favored. And by the way, that's the same term given to Mary. You who are highly favored. And then it's the same term given to every believer. Believers are highly favored because you're God's child, because you're his chosen one. So he says, highly favored one. I, I was sent to answer. 
But this, this spirit, this human, not human, this evil spirit was influencing humans. And then look what it says. Then Michael, one of the archangels, is Michael a human or an angel? Angel. Came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Behind the scenes of, of this world we can see is a world we can't see. Demonic forces trying to influence governments. And you know there are places today. We, we've had relatives go places and serve. They couldn't tell us the country they were in. They couldn't, they couldn't identify anything because they were going to be Christ followers telling people about Jesus. And they could die for their faith. What would cause somebody to do this? It's the evil forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms influencing earthly leaders. My dad told me about coming to Christ when he was in a foxhole in Guadalcanal in World War II being bombed by the Japanese. And some point after asking Jesus to forgive me, he's the one that told me there are no um, atheists in foxholes when you're being bombed. He said sometime later, I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to die on this God-forsaken place, and, and Guadalcanal was God-forsaken because of the forces of uh, human forces destroying it. He said, if I'm going to die on this God-forsaken piece of land, I'm going to take as many of the enemy with me as I can. And I believe that's what the spiritual forces are doing. They know their time is growing short. The shorter the time, the more evil will, be, will, will quit being subtle and try to scare people into hell, scare people out of heaven. They want to destroy as many lives as possible, take them with them to eternal torments. Second thing, demons want to make you suffer. This is a hideous thing to me when I read this passage and think about this. I want you to think about children. If you have children or grandchildren, think about them, and then let's read this. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. So Jesus and his disciples come down from the mountain. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, actually, this was Peter, James, and John, so just a few of them. The other disciples were down there. They said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures, seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then look what happens. Then Jesus rebuked the, rebuked the what? The demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. He was healed. Now, I'm not saying that every sickness is caused by demons. I don't believe that. I don't believe there's a, a demon behind every bush out here on the 42 acres that we own. But in this instance, it was a demon taking this boy and making him fall into the fire. It was a demon making this boy fall into the water, trying to kill him. Now, if this really was a boy, and that's what the, 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 the words indicate, this was a boy. How could a boy be demon-possessed? And in my opinion, the only way this boy could have been demon-possessed is if there's ancestral sin that has been passed on, passed on, passed on, so that demonic forces had direct access to this child. Now, sometime this child had to, had to agree with all of those, but, but that's a big deal. And, and we'll, our men's study, we're going to be talking about that. And, and so we'll be, we'll be having some information for you down the road, more things about ancestral sin and how you get free from it. But if, this, if a demon will try to destroy a boy, a six- or a seven-year-old boy, what do you think he has planned for you? He wants to destroy you and take as many people with you as possible. Third thing is what do demons do? They scheme to lure you away from God. There's a battle plan that has your name at the top. And whatever it is that is effective against you, that's what they're going to use. If, you are, if, you are, um, if your weakness is shiny things, guess what's going to be in your path? And I don't care if it's jewelry. I don't care if it's a car. I don't care if it's a new shiny stuff. If that gets your attention, guaranteed, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, there will be some shiny things to try to get your attention, capture your attention, get you off of the way, the narrow way onto the broad road that leads to destruction. 
If your weakness is skin, guess what's going to come into your path, whether it's on your phone, whether it's on a billboard, whether it's a, you know, a little ad on the side of, of when you're looking even at your email. If skin is your deal, the demons will make sure that you see skin. If you're highly intelligent, they'll, they'll float the little latest ideas, which really seem to be academically backed up. And when all of these people with PhDs say it must be true, it must be true. Pride, sex, whatever your weakness, they'll make sure that that's in front of you because they want to lead you away from God. Even fear. Look what this says in 1 Timothy 4.1. The Spirit clearly says, in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. And, and this blows my mind. And things taught by demons. The way it is in another translation is called doctrines of demons. We teach doctrine here, which is from the word of God. And there are certain things that, are, that, that never change. There are other things that we don't know about. You know, there's gray areas. We don't, a, a doctrine is not a gray area in scripture. A doctrine can be backed up over and over and over again in scripture. Some people in the last days, we're in the last days, will be carried away by doctrines of demons, deceiving spirits. So a demon can come in here because you gave them access because of your sin. A demon can come in here because they want to disrupt the fellowship. A demon can actually be in the pulpit if, the, if this pastor is not under the authority of God. A demon can, can come attached to anybody in, in the band or anybody working with our children if they're not under the authority of God. If we, if we get lax for one second and we allow a sin to be a habitual sin, we give Satan access to latch onto our armor and wherever we go, guess who goes with us? That unclean spirit that we have given permission to hang out with us. They want, to, they want to lead you away from everything. If you're, if you're not a Christian, they want to keep you from becoming a Christian. If you are a Christian, they want to make you ineffective. Number four, demons want to paralyze you with fear. Fear about your health, fear of the health of a loved one, fear for your children, fear for your job, your marriage. Maybe, maybe you're just tormented about life, fear about everything. Why this constant battle with fear? Well, it's a tactic. It's a scheme. It's a, it's a battle plan with your name on it if that works for you. Because look what the opposite of fear is. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. If the spirit of fear doesn't come from God, where does it come from? The unholy spirit. What comes from God? Power, love, self-discipline. The reason so many Christians are leading defeated lives is because we've forgotten or we never knew that we're in a war on the, and we're on the front line. So we relax. Doug, don't stress over my little sins. Let me see that, Taylor, if you would. Don't stress over my little sins. You know, my little white lies, they're no big deal. If I give, if I give the members of my body to Satan, it's no big deal. If I ignore the things of God, no big deal. My premarital sex, it's consenting adults. It's no big deal. The Bible calls it, if you're married, the Bible calls it adultery. If you have sex with someone you're not married to. If you're not married, the Bible calls it fornication. It's not consensual sex, it's fornication. And you are giving the members of your body to Satan and you're tying it up and, and you're being led around. Do it again. You've already done it once. If it feels so right, it can't be wrong. Yes, it can. We forget that the problem in our families and our churches and our businesses and our world is that there are demonic forces that want to destroy us and we cooperate with them by saying, here's my hands, here's my feet, here's my eyes, my mouth, 
My mind used me, unholy spirit, not only to bring strife, but to keep people from the kingdom of God. We forget we're warriors. Instead of putting on the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation, the belt of peace and the, and the sandal, uh, sandals of peace, belt of righteousness, taking up our shield of faith and the, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, we're wearing a ball cap backwards and we're taking selfies. We're tourists, not warriors. Let's go to some sinful place. Let's take a selfie and let's put it on the internet. So what do we do if we're going to win this battle instead of getting slaughtered? We, we have the power. We're not tapped into it. What do we do? Well, first, first, never treat our enemy lightly. Look at this verse. This is from Jude 9. And the reason there's no chapter and verse is because Jude is one chapter. So when it says 9, it means verse 9. of There's only one chapter. But even the archangel Michael, if a verse starts like that, you need to pay attention. If even an archangel, an archangel means chief angel, the highest angel who has battalions of angels underneath his authority. If even that guy, when disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, the, the, the enemy, the devil, all he said was, the Lord rebuke you if an archangel who is tied to Michael, every time we see him, by the way, archangel is only mentioned twice in Scripture. We read it in Daniel and here in, in uh, I mean, actually, the, the term archangel is only mentioned in Jude 9 and, and 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. And Michael is his name. He's the chief angel, and he's also tied to battles. Everywhere you see him, he's fighting some battle. If that guy won't argue with the devil, you should probably not stick out your chest and say, come on, devil, let's go. He appeals to a higher authority, the highest authority. And when he does, you know what the devil does? Devil leaves. The devil wants you to fight in your power. It's like those stupid movies when, when you know, the good guy has a gun, the other guy has out of bullets, and he's like, come on, tough guy, fight me. You're like a real man. Shoot his butt. Why would you fight in your power against an enemy that's bigger and stronger than you? Your authority comes from your position in the family of God. Years ago, there was a youth leader. Rachel was in the youth group. And uh, y'all know Rachel. Rachel, not only is she beautiful, she is, she is obedient. She's humble. She's compliant. She is a rule-following girl. And she came home one day, and, and she told me about this trip they went on. Actually, several trips. I didn't know about this for a while. Several trips. And she came home. She goes, Dad, this, this leader keeps saying, I will leave you. If you're not here, da, 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 I will leave you. Don't you think? And something like this. I don't remember all the words, but basically even looking at my children going, I will leave you. And Rachel's like, do you know my dad? My dad's your boss. And so Rachel, compliant Rachel goes, leave me if you want to, but you'll have to talk to my dad about that. Rachel understood authority, but we don't. What happened was, God gave authority to rule the world to Adam and Eve. Satan came in and he disguised himself and he tempted them and he tricked them. Well, I didn't trick them. They knew what they were doing. And he got the keys to the authority on earth. That's why Jesus had to become a human, to come and defeat Satan on the cross, shed his blood, defeat death. So now, now your enemy and my enemy... If we're behind, remember I talked about this last week? If we have the blood of Jesus covering us, we have this. And here's what you need to know. Not only, the Bible describes Satan as, as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But if Jesus has conquered sin, death, and the grave, then that roaring lion has no teeth. He's on the outside, his bullets, his fiery dart. He, he's firing blanks as long as you're behind 
the authority of Christ. It's when you put that down and say, come on, devil, he will defeat you every time. Your authority comes only because of your daddy, Jesus Christ. See, the devil knows, he knows he can handle you. That's no problem. What he can't handle is when you're behind the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, in order to use that authority, you have to be in the family of God. So what I want you to understand is don't ever treat our enemy lightly, but don't you ever take the name of Jesus lightly either. Check this out. This is in Acts chapter 19. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, they'd be like, hey, I'm, I, I'm friends with Rachel's daddy. Don't you leave me at, the, at Six Flags. In the authority, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. He's the authority. He's the son of God. I recognize him. And this is what he says. And Paul, I know about. I've heard of him because he's under the authority of Jesus. And he's causing some trouble because he's under the authority of Jesus. He says, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, seven men, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating, they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. One demon-possessed man whipped Seven men without the authority of Christ. They were whipped, stripped, and got big fat lips. See, why? Why would that happen? Well, put that, put that first statement up there. It's not enough to say Jesus is a king. Jesus is a prophet. Jesus is a good man. Does nothing for you. You could even say Jesus is the king. Well, I believe he's, I believe he's God's son. He's, he's the son of God. No power. You must say, Jesus is my king. You must bow before the king to be saved. So do not take this enemy lightly. Second, don't flirt with darkness. Don't fraternize with the enemy. How do we do that? You've heard of gateway drugs, right? Certain drugs get you other drugs. There are all kinds of gateways into the demonic realm horoscopes, Ouija boards, seances, consulting mediums and spiritists, all of these are gateways to the demonic. If you play with them, you will get burned. You'll de be deceived. Because look what Deuteronomy 18 says. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. So we'd like, oh no, we wouldn't kill children. No, we wouldn't do that. But also, let no one be found among you who practices divination or sorcery. If you don't know what that is, hang on. Interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And if anyone tells you, oh, those are harmless, do you think that's the Holy Spirit or the unholy spirit saying these things, these gateways into the demonic kingdom are harmless? Holy Spirit or unholy? Unholy. Third thing, don't fight in your power with, but with God's authority. This is huge. Look at this verse, Matthew 10, 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples and he gave them authority. Gave them what? authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He did not give them his power. He gave them his authority. It's very different. Here's the difference. Let's say I walk out right now and I've got my little praying pelican t-shirt on. I walk out the highway 155 out here and in my power, I decide I'm going to stop traffic. You, you can imagine it, right? I could even forcefully say, stop. What's going to happen? I'm going to be a greasy spot on the road, right? And you have my permission. If I do this, put a little cross up there and say, idiot pastor tried to stop traffic in his own power. Now, 
Jack Halleck comes here. He's a Department of Public Safety trooper. If Jack pulls out there and has his lights on his DPS vehicle and he's in his uniform and he walks up, he doesn't even have to yell it, does he? He goes, what's everybody going to do? Because if you don't stop, a whole bunch more guys that look like Jack are going to chase you down and force you to stop, maybe for a long time. What's the difference? He's backed up by the authority of the state of Texas. I'm the pastor of New Life Community Church. It's a different authority. So you fight in your power. It's why you're defeated. Over and over, you're fighting in your power. You're not enough. But when you're under the authority of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that is more than enough. Last verse, it says this. Submit yourselves then to God. This is first, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Real quick, Taylor, I didn't tell you about this part. Let's say Taylor's all bound up in sin. Just kneel, kneel right here. He's all bound up in sin. He has no control, no self-control. He bows before the highest authority and he says, Jesus, forgive my sins, lead my life. He begins to cut all of those ties. And as long as he stays under the authority of Christ, he can live a victorious Christian life. Some of you are bound up in sin and it's destroying you. There is an authority who can def defeat everything that you're, you're facing. And you need to bow to that authority today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love and your grace. Help us to understand your authority and help us to be under it. In Jesus' name, amen.